0: Believer or disciple, right? That's what we've been talking about. Are you? Which one are you? I hope I hope as we talked about this, you've actually like asked yourself. If you haven't, it's time to do it. So just close your eyes. Everyone, close your eyes for a minute. Get real with God for one minute here now, and just say, "God, help me understand. Am I a believer, or am I a disciple?" Let's uh, everyone ask yourself that out loud right now, together with me. Ready? Here we go. Lord, am I a believer? Or am I a disciple? Because that's a tough question, right? I mean, it's, there's no easy answer to that. Um, but but there is a commitment level that is totally different, right? If you're a believer, you know, right? We talked about it. You don't have to do much just to believe in something, right? You could believe in lots of things without being committed to it. But when you're a disciple, that that involves Kevin's word commitment, right, Kevin? commitment. That involves commitment. You're committed to something, right? You're committed to Jesus. You're committed to his ways and his teachings. And so being a disciple is totally different than just being a a believer. And because our little people are in here this morning, we want them to know that we're not just believers, right? We want them to know that we are true disciples of Jesus and we're following Jesus. So, uh, you know, they're going to hold us to that, aren't they? Like when we come here and we worship God and we talk about God and we're all about God and we go home and we watch stuff that doesn't represent God or we say things that doesn't reflect God, they see that, don't they? Or maybe we should ask the children, is your father a believer or a disciple? Oh, we won't ask the children. You might want to ask your kids when you go home. Am I a disciple? Ask your little eight-year-old. Am I a disciple of Jesus or am I a believer? They'll tell you, right? They're they're pretty honest. (laughs) They'll tell you. So when you're a a disciple, these are some of the things we talked about. Jesus is number one. He's everything for us, right? We are sheep, right? And we have a shepherd who loves us and leads us and guides us. Uh, When you're a disciple... The teachings of Jesus are above every other teaching out there in the planet, right? Those are the ones we're going to hold on to. What Jesus said and what Jesus taught and what Jesus did. Those are the things we're going to hold on to. We're going to love one another because that's what disciples do, right? They love each other. And love is action, right? It's not just words. It's action. Love is doing. And we're going to walk by the Spirit of Christ and in the Spirit of Christ. And we realize that as disciples, he's the master. We are not. He's the boss. We are his servants. We're his children. He is master. We are not. And then also last week we talked about, as a disciple, we're going we're to we're push ourselves. We're going into strict training. We're going to do things God's way. And we're going we're gonna to keep ourselves in check with God, right? That's what we want to do because we want to reflect God. We want the world around us to t- see a true reflection of who God is living in little flesh me, all right? As messed up as I am, I'm going to do my best to line myself up with God, His Word, let His Spirit work in me, and reflect Him the best that I can. That's what we're going to do. I'm going to train myself to live godly, a godly life. So, today we're in Galatians. If you have your um, Bible, turn to Galatians. And um, Paul is teaching in this uh, letter, yeah, we're not there yet, Paul is teaching in this letter um, in Galatians chapter 5, and uh and and he's teaching about a couple things first of all earlier in the chapter he's teaching about freedom like the freedom that we have in Christ right this freedom that we have in Jesus free from stuff free from religion free from like the law because in Jesus, we're we're lined up with Him, and we're free from the religious stuff of the world, and we're free in Him. And he also goes on to talk about how living, uh, living by the Spirit, that that's how we live our life, by the Spirit of God that the Word into existence that is from heaven, that lives in us now, and we're going to live by the Spirit of God. And and he says in verse 16 of that chapter, he says, walk by the Spirit. That's what he calls us to do as disciples. We're going to walk by the Spirit of God, not by the law, right? Not by anything else, but, but by the Spirit. So we come to verse 22, and here's what it says. Galatians 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited provoking and envying each other. So when you're a disciple, here's the word, you are fruitful. You are fruitful. When you're a disciple, you are full of the fruit of God. Now, people are full of lots of things, but as a disciple, we want to be full of the fruit of God, like juicy fruitful, right? That's what we want to be. It's like oozing Jesus. Right? I mean, that's what a true disciple is, right? I mean, when you meet somebody who loves the Lord and you can just see it written all over, it just oozes out of them. They don't have to say, I love the Lord. They don't have to wear a t-shirt. You could just tell in a few moments that they love God. That how they talk, how they, uh, how they uh, interact, you could tell. They're just oozing with the Spirit of God in their life. And they are full of the fruit of God and it just kind of comes out and so that's what Paul talks about in this little section about the fruit of the spirit and and then this fruit is several things in verse 22 verse 22 the fruit is of the spirit so remember that circle that in fact in your bibles just circle that that the fruit it says but the fruit of the spirit circle those words the fruit of the spirit right because this is not like fruit from somewhere else right This is the fruit of God, and it's, it's, it's Spirit-driven, right? The Spirit of God is the driving force or the producing force in us. It's His fruit, the Spirit's fruit, and the Spirit is not just some power. The Spirit is not just some force. The Spirit is a person, the person of God, right, in the form of a Spirit. He is the Spirit, and He's living in you. That's awesome, isn't it? So this fruit is a couple things, four things I want to share with you, and then a couple other tips, and we're going to move on. So this fruit, number one is this. This fruit comes from the soil of heaven. It's straight from God. That's what he says. It's the fruit of the Spirit, right? It's not from the the world. It's not of this planet. It's not by chance. It's not made up by man. This fruit comes from God, not of the world. It's the fruit of the Spirit, and the Spirit is not of this world. So there's a big difference between that fruit of the Spirit and any other fruit on the planet, right? It's from the soil of heaven that has come to grow in us. That's out-of-this-world kind of fruit, right? It's like totally different than what we're we're used to or what we know of or what we see in this world. In verse 23, number 2, look at this. The fruit is not subject to law. So the fruit of God is not subject to the law. He says, against such things, there is no law, right? Because because this fruit is from above. It's from heaven. This fruit is subject only to the kingdom of God, right? That's where this fruit comes from, and that's what this fruit is doing. It's, It's living in the fruit of the Spirit, and that overrides or is greater than living by the law, because the law, all the law was put in place for was to show us, number one, that we're sinful, right? The law, all the law did was reflect us that we're messed up. We've blown it. We've broken it. We've all fallen short. And what the law did is help us to realize that, that we are sinful and we are in need of God. But the fruit of the spirit is not subject to the law and when we're in the fruit of the spirit and the spirit of god is living in us then we are we are responsible to god right the fruit of god living in us moving in us is no longer subject to the law right the fruit in a sense takes us back to to what god intended for us right in creation being made in the image of god the fruit of god intended to grow in us from the very beginning and we broke that off and we We failed, and so the law was put into place to to guide us back to God, right? But this fruit that the Spirit of God wants to grow in us, this fruit of the Spirit that is from the soil of heaven is not subject to the law. By that fruit, we are safe. In verse 24, number three is this. It is the opposite of the flesh, right? right? It's the opposite of flesh. So there's flesh fruit and there's Spirit of God fruit and they're in totally opposite parts of the world, right? We're either living by one or the other. Most of us, before we came to know Jesus, we were living by the fruit of the flesh, right? You know what that's like. If you belong to Jesus, you have, Paul says here, you have crucified the flesh, right? With all of its passions, all of its desires, you have nailed that to the cross, you have crucified that, and you no longer live by the fruit of the nature of your flesh. But now you're going to live according to the Spirit of God and the fruit of the Spirit of God, now growing in you, living in you. The fruit is not about what you can do for God. A lot of times we think bearing fruit means winning people to Jesus. And, and while that's part of what God has called us to do, the fruit of God is the Spirit of God growing the fruit of God in you. That's God's, what God's doing in you to produce fruit in you. So that you can, you can be a true reflection of his creation, right? of who he is, of, of his image in you. So there's really no comparison between the flesh fruit and the spirit fruit. There's no comparison. We all have tasted of this flesh fruit, right? We know what that's like. right? It's eat, drink, be merry kind of thing. It's, it's, it's fun for a while, but it has no root. It, it's all about pleasure and self-satisfaction. But the fruit of God is so much deeper than that. When you taste the fruit of God and the Spirit of God living in your life, you will never go back to that other fruit. You know what I mean? It's like eating from the garbage can, right? That's what eating the flesh fruit of the world is like compared to the fruit of God. It's like there's no comparison. And we want the fruit of God to be in us and to grow in us and the Spirit of God to work in us. And the fourth thing is this. Verse 25, he says, "...the work of the Spirit of God..." Living in you. That's what this fruit is. It's the work of the Holy Spirit who's now in you, working in you, working through you, right? And you can't produce that. You can't, we can't produce 100% pure God fruit without the Holy Spirit. Is met no, how, no matter how hard we try, the world is really good at doing nice things and good things and kind things and loving things, but they will never reproduce 100% the pureness of, of why we do what we do and how we live and, and where that fruit comes from God. There's no way we could ever manufacture that. can't fake it. We can kind of come up with things that look like it and we can steal ideals from, ideas from God in this world, but we will never do it for the, the correct reasons. You, 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 whatever the cause may be out there, whatever good cause that you can think of, the motive behind it is always about us. It's about people. It's for me. I do it because I feel better. Right? And the fruit of God is about God. It's about the love of God for you and for everyone around you so the motive behind God's fruit is so much different than ours. And then he goes into uh, the spirit uh, that is growing this fruit in you and he gives us like these nine qualities. You see them there? These nine qualities that come bursting forth in you. Okay, here's what they are. First one is love, right? Nine qualities. The first one is love and and, and there's no doubt that love is the king of all qualities, right? Love. You could make a case, a a good case, that love is the only fruit and all the others are seeds of it. You could make a good case that love is the overarching quality and fruit and everything else falls under love. You really could. There are nine qualities here. um, And all of these are aspects of what I think is the number one love. Because remember in the greatest commandment, Jesus said what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right? So love is, you know, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is? Love. love. So you can make a good case that love is really what God's at. And everything else falls under that. And if we get love right, all these others will fit under those very well. Right? In verse 6, in fact, of this passage of um, Galatians 5, Paul writes and he says, The only thing that counts, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love, right? That's the only thing that counts, Paul says. You know, at the end of the day, rubber meets the road. All that matters is that your faith expresses itself in love. That's huge, right? But he gives us these love, joy, right? Joy what? Joy in Jesus. Joy, we could, if we find a lot of pleasure and a lot of happiness in this world, there's a lot of things you can go do that will put a smile on your face, but nothing will like the joy of God in your life. To know that you have the hope of God, right, that your sins are washed away, what could possibly put joy in your heart that would be greater than knowing that your sins are forgiven and you are all right with God? That is a joy inexpressible. And that joy is not going to be found anywhere else. You might find temporary joy. You might have a good time watching your kids play kickball, t-ball, soccer, running around, chasing each other. And that's fun. You know, that's cool. But the joy of knowing what God has done for you, that's incredible. Peace, he says, peace. Peace is another part of this fruit basket of God. Right? This, that The Spirit of God is growing in you. Peace. Not just peace, not peace in the world, but peace in your heart. That in the midst of your storm, Right? And we all go through them, right? Anybody ever not go through a storm? Okay, we all go through these storms. So in the midst of this storm, as the the thunder comes down and the lightning lights and the the rain pours down and the floods rise up and you feel like you're about to drown, you can stand there and say, my God loves me. He's with me. And even in the midst of your storm, you can have the most perfect peace. The world doesn't have that. They fall apart. They fall apart because they don't have the Spirit of God producing this peace. And, and that leads us to think, you know, if, if we fall apart in the midst of storms, maybe it's because that peace isn't there. Because the Spirit isn't producing that in us. We're relying on other things. We're relying on ourselves, maybe. He says forbearance or patience, right? That's that's, you know. <laughs> Oh, that's that's a big deal, right? Patience in your life? Is Cole here? I didn't see Cole. Okay, good. (laughs) Cole's not here. I'm going to pick on Cole. So Cole and I went and played a little golf this week. Cole has never played golf. Alex, we'll have to go again sometime. Cole has never played golf. And Cole does not have the patience to play golf. (laughs) Cole can do a lot of things. (laughs) But it's going to take a lot of the Holy Spirit producing patience for him to keep playing (laughs) golf. I love Cole. He's an awesome kid. Um, but, but that takes patience, right? And that's what the Spirit of God is doing in our lives, producing patience, not just for golf, but for life, right? And greater, greater forbearance. Kindness, you know, being kind, just being kind to people, being showing kindness, that's a, a part of the fruit of God that the Spirit is producing in us, this goodness, right? That we just, like the Spirit is producing a sense of just wanting to do good. Just wanting to be good, not for any reason other than to just represent and reflect who God is in you, right? Goodness, faithfulness, right? Just having faith in God and having faith that he will come through, even though it doesn't look like he will. Faith in God. I mean, that's what the Spirit is producing in you when he's living in you, right? Gentleness, right? Being gentle. We need that, right, dads? Okay, yeah, of course we do. Now we need to be more gentle sometimes. And self-control, right? Just being disciplined. Having a sense of discipline and self-control as we live. I mean, these are the things that, the, that are the fruit, that the fruit of the Spirit is trying to produce in us. And the Bible is very fruit conscious. Have you ever noticed that? You read through the Scriptures. There's other passages that bring up this idea of the fruit of God in our lives and working in us. Fruit. I mean, just think about it. Fruit. Just fruit. Right? But this is spiritual fruit that God is trying to grow up in us, right I mean that and that's really what the Spirit of God is doing He's in us trying to produce godliness and what is godliness it's the fruit or the quality of God back in us that we have fallen away from we have been severed from by sin, and we're being restored in and so the Holy Spirit is. In us trying to produce the fruit of God. And when you're a disciple, what happens is bearing fruit as you continue to grow in Christ, bearing fruit becomes natural, right? It's a natural thing. It should be a natural thing, right? It's God's original intention for us from the beginning. And now the Spirit of God is living in us now. We've invited him in. We've been washed from our sins. He's in us now, and he's trying to restore us back to God's original intention in us. His fruit was created to grow in us in creation as we were made in his image. And we we have we have hurt that. Sin has affected that, and the spirit is trying to reproduce that. And and, and, and everyone wants good fruit, right? Uh, Everyone wants like like natural, organic, grass fed food, right? That's what we want. All right? Uncaged chickens eggs. That's what we want. I don't want my eggs to have gone through any stress. Isn't that nuts? That's just crazy. Crazy stuff. We live in a weird world, I'll tell you what. Stress-free chickens. (laughs) I'm going to ask, you know, did this chicken have any stress? So it's true though, right? I mean, it's people, you talk to people, oh man, I'm organic, all organic. Okay, good. Uh, when the Spirit of God is working on us, His, his natural work, his na- the Spirit of God's natural work is to produce, like this, God's fruit in us. That's what He's doing. That's what He's trying to do in your life, right? He's trying to produce this fruit. And according to John chapter 15, um, the Scripture says we will bear fruit, right? It'll be a natural thing. When Christ is in you, you will bear fruit. In fact, Jesus says like this. He says, I am the true vine." And my father is the gardener, right? Another passage, it talks about this kind of growth and uh, this, this, this culture. And he says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. You don't bear fruit chopped off, right? Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, right? So that it will be even more fruitful, I mean, that's what the Spirit of God in your life is doing in you. So you've got to keep asking yourself, is it happening? Am I producing the fruit of God? Is the Spirit of God producing fruit in me? Am I being more fruitful? See, and you can't manufacture this stuff. You can't fake it. You can try. You can fake people out, but you're never going to fake God out, right? This is a natural thing that happens when the Spirit of God is working in your life, right? He's either in your life working or He isn't. You can't fake this stuff. You can't make it up. He comes to the end of that vine section Jesus does in John 15, and he says this, verse 16. He says, You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. So this is God fruit. This is good fruit. This is the kind of fruit that's going to last forever. This is not like you did some nice thing on the planet that is going to come to an end. This is God producing something in you that is eternal this fruit of God growing in you. So another thought is that fruit reveals a person, doesn't it? By your fruit, you're going to know them, right? Fruit reveals who you are. Yeah. Like you can, you can, We can fake people out. We can act a certain way. We can fake our kids out. We can fake the church people out when we show up on Sunday and we are nice and churchy. But it will come to light what's in your heart, right? That just will. Fruit, comes, fruit always comes to the surface, eventually, Right? And it reveals what's at the root or the heart of who you are. Right? It's going to show up. right? We all know that. However people treat you, you know, no one else sees it, but it's going to catch up to you. Right? It's going to catch up to them. They're going to have to face it. At some point, it's going to come back to them. In Matthew 7, Jesus is teaching about a variety of issues, life issues and stuff. And in verse 15, he gives us this warning. He says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. Right? So they're, they're trying to trick you. But inwardly, they're ferocious wolves. Verse 16, he says, By their fruit you will recognize them. So fruit reveals the person. Do people pick grapes or thorn bushes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Of course not. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit, fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. And by your fruit, the world will recognize you. And mine too, right? Me too. We're all in this thing. So the proof, you might say, is in the pudding, right? The proof is where the rubber meets the road, right? Our behaviors, our actions in our life are going to tell the story of our heart. What's really here right? It, it's going to come to light, isn't that right? It's all going to come to light at some point. And the last thing is this, a disciple, a disciple of Jesus who is going to produce good fruit, you know, surrenders to God, just surrenders to the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit come live in you and, and is rooted in the truth of Jesus. That's, that's how it's going to happen. You don't just take a seed and throw it out on the sidewalk and, and tomorrow come back and wait for, you know, going to get apples. Doesn't happen like that, right? It's got to go in the ground. It's got to take root in the ground and be nourished, and then eventually, later on, like all our tomato plants right up there, I see them from here. Like there's like gobs of tomatoes on those still there. They just grow. They start producing fruit after you know a month or two. And followers of Christ, right? That's what we are. We're, We're students of Jesus. That's what we have. We have committed to is that we are his disciple, we are students of him and we're letting him and his word deeply impact and transform who we are and become more like him. So what we're trying to do is be rooted in Jesus because if we're rooted in Jesus, we're going to produce fruit, right? But if you're not rooted in Jesus, you'll never produce God's fruit. You'll produce other fruit, but not God's fruit. And what I want is God's fruit, right? We've got the fruit of God growing in us. Psalm 1, great passage, right? Psalm 1, blessed is the one who does not walk in in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. So forget that, right? Don't don't surround yourself by people who don't live for God. Impact them, but if you hang out with them and you make them your close friends, you're probably going to become like them. Scripture says don't do that. Pick your friends wisely, especially the ones that you're going to spend time with the most. Be careful that you are not putting yourself in a situation where you're going to be uh, shallow in your roots with God and always stay on the surface. Verse 2 he says, "But those who but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. That's that's the person who is blessed." who delights in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. Verse 3, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in the season whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Whatever he does grows. Why? Not because he's a beautiful fruit tree, but because he's rooted. He's rooted in Jesus He's rooted in the things of God. Spend time being rooted in God, right? If you want the fruit to grow, you got to get deeper with God. How awesome is that, right? That there's lots of fruit in a person who is rooted in Jesus. Whatever he does prospers. It just prospers. It grows, Right? Isaiah, I love this verse. This is the last verse we're going to share. Isaiah 37. Isaiah speaking for the Lord to Hezekiah. And he says these words in Isaiah 37. He says, once more, a remnant of the kingdom of Judah will take root below and bear fruit above. That's so good, right? I mean, that's, that's us. You don't bear fruit above unless you take root below right? And that's what God is calling us to do, to take root below so that the Spirit of God who lives in us will produce fruit above, that the world will see and glorify God. So when you are a disciple, when you are a disciple, you are fruitful. It just will happen naturally. You'll just produce fruit. And so what we're trying to do is just surrender ourselves to the Spirit of God